I'm a neuroscience geek. I geek out over neuroscience. I geek out over the way the brain works and the study of how the brain works. I love a lot of these like really big, like Dr. Joe Dispenza, Greg Braden, and uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Like I love the work around the actual changes of the mind and what that looks like from a science perspective. And so I kind of pair the science with the spirituality part and the science of it is consistency is everything. Hi friends and welcome to The Geode, your guide to modern wellness and woo. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. I'm a mom, a veteran, and a modern mystic, and I'm on a mission to create an inclusive wellness community. A few years ago, I found myself drawn to the world of spirituality and I loved it, but I also felt really self-conscious about what I didn't know yet. I didn't feel comfortable asking questions or showing up to certain events, and I definitely never heard or saw anyone with a voice like mine, someone who's grounded, relatable, approachable really funny, and also really witchy. And that's why I created this podcast. On the podcast, we're going to cover everything from astrology to crystal healing, energy work, human design, and even tantric Ayurveda, all from the perspective of relevant practitioners and thought leaders. I wanted to create a safe place for you to learn more about these contemplative and mystical practices and offer a variety of information so you get to decide what resonates with you on your own terms. I hope that you love it because I love you. Okay, guys, today we have somebody who's incredibly lovely and I'm very excited to talk to her. It's Val Ashford and she's a spiritual counselor. Uh, Welcome to the show, Val. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Um, Val Ashford, aka the Afro Buddha. Did you give yourself that name or did that come from someone else? It it was kind of... um, I'll say it was a channeled name. Like it's, it's something that came, came to me um, literally the day that my father passed, it kind of like I woke up with it. And so I feel like it kind of came and it's just kind of stuck since. <laughs> wow. That's really cool. I didn't realize it came from that. Um, yeah. I noticed on some of your stuff that you are a writer in, in addition to being a, a spiritual teacher that you're also a writer did the writing come first and then the spiritual stuff or yeah I've always been a writer I feel like I was kind of born born a writer I mean I've, I've from the from the time I could write things down I've always just written down all of my thoughts and yeah so the writing definitely came first for sure cool and then how did the the spiritual piece evolve because we were just talking and you were telling me you're from North Carolina which is in the yeah. bible belt oh yeah so, yeah yeah. That has to be an interesting story, I assume. Yeah, it's a, it's a story for sure. I mean, being, you know, being a little black girl from North Carolina, you know, you're you're raised in Christianity and, you know, a very, you know, particular way that people in general from the South and from many other areas are are raised. Um, and I've been I've been the super church girl. I've been, you know, all of the above. But, you know, as I as I got older and kind of came into myself more and kind of figure out who I was authentically, um, I kind of completely disconnected myself from like organized religion, which was which was scary and with a lot of backlash. But it was also very freeing. And I think that that was kind of what kind of set me on the trajectory to kind of uh, teach and help other people who are also coming from organized religion kind of figure out how to define their own spirituality. Beautiful. Yeah. I guess that might've been part of your path so that you yeah. can, you know, yeah. where you, you really went through um, the, um, 
the um, gauntlet there. Yeah. The, um, how did your, like, were, as a child, were you hearing voices or you were just intuitive and someone sort of covered that with something else? How, how did your gifts show that you were able to recognize this is something separate from religion? Right. Right. One thing that I will say, even though I'm, even though I was, you know, came up in an environment that was very Christian inside of my own household, I always say my mom was the original Afro Buddha because she would, yes, she would have the Bible, but she would also have the Quran. You know, she would have the different, she'd take all the different religious texts and she would line them up on the table and she would kind of study everything. Um, So that open-mindedness definitely came from my mom. um, So that when you know, when things would start to happen, when I would have, you know, these clairaudience or clair, you know, clairvoyant um, experiences, they, they were something that were, it was comfortable to talk about within my own house, you know. Um, so my, I want to say both my parents are really receptive to that. Um, we always acknowledge things as being spirits or energies, um, even though it wasn't technically something you could go to church and talk about that was acceptable. It was acceptable to talk about within my own home. So you know, in, in terms of the intuitive side, it's always been there. Sometimes I feel like it maybe was stronger as a child. <laughs> you know, when you're a little kid, you know, toying around with astral projection and spirits and voices and all those kinds of stuff. It didn't seem like it was a big deal when you were little, you know, and then somewhere probably like tween to teenagers, you realize that that's weird and that that's not something you can talk about on the playground. <laughs> So I uh, really was, it was more so like a process of coming back into what was natural to me earlier in life. I love that. And I, like, I love that you had a supportive environment because I do find that there's really only two reactions from parents. Either they support it or they um, don't, are not comfortable with it at all. Right, and so right. I, I, that's really huge that your parents are supportive of it. Um is there like once your gifts started to surface again, did did your mom say that she had these gifts or maybe a grandparents had this? Like, did it turn out that it's in your lineage or it's really just unique to you as far as you know? No, it's it's in my lineage on both sides, so both my mom's side and my dad's side. Um, so I, I on my mom's side is mostly Native American Wakama on my mom's side. So they are always really in tune with that, you know, there being something non-physical um, so mom, grandmom, my sister, these, they, they all had some level of a gift that they were comfortable talking about. On my dad's side, we didn't talk about it as much, but there's definitely a lineage there of like witch doctors and people who were doing these alternative, you know, um, kinds of things. So I definitely got it from both ends for sure. That's yeah. awesome. That's really cool. Um, and where do you, as a spiritual, you know, guide, mentor, counselor, what do you see as your role in assisting people? Yeah. Is it ascension? Like, where do you see your your place in being the um, conduit? Yeah, it's, it's definitely shifted over the years because I've been doing this for a while now. Um, when I first came into my spiritual gifts, I was doing a lot of work as a medium and doing a lot of medium and channel work. But then over the years, it kind of guided itself into just like an overall guide because I found that so many people, it's not, you know, it's not a one size fit, fits all, you know. And I think at the end of the day, what I'm actually doing is just helping other people remember their authentic selves or, 
if they didn't have a, you know, a strong foundation the way that I had where it was acceptable, helping them to tap into what their authentic self actually is. So at the end of the day, that's I feel like I'm kind of just a guy that helps people get back to themselves or to find themselves, essentially. Beautiful. Um, I want to go back a little bit to your personal story. Was there a point that you either were thrown into or decided to make this a profession? Was, was there a small moment? Was it gradual? What did it look like when the point came where you were like, okay, I need to do this in some sort of professional capacity? Yeah. It, uh, again, I mean, I, I, I went to college and had a, you know, legitimate career and everything like everybody else did, you know, you, you don't, I don't know if there's anyone who says I'm going to be a professional psychic or intuitive or, I don't know if that's anybody's career path. I always tell people my grandmother's name was Cleo, but not mine. Um, so, so that wasn't like a business plan or anything like that. It, it was just something that kind of naturally progressed. Um, you know, it, it would be a lot of it has been through social media. So it would be just people feeling drawn to me and they would say, hey, I just feel like I, I want to talk to you or I should talk to you. And I go, OK, and then I talk to them and then, you know, um, over time, they would just say, oh, I talked to Val and this was really, really good. And then they recommend me to other people. So I kind of just it just really naturally evolved from there. And I'm, um, I had one situation where I had uh, essentially what I, I didn't have the verbiage then, but now I do call this session or a reading with someone. And it was really, really they had a really good experience. And they shouted me out on their social media and it kind of went viral. And so then I woke up one day with like, a thousand messages in my inbox of people who wanted to, who were wanting to talk to me and wanted to know what my prices were. And I was like, prices, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any idea of this being a business, you know? Um, so I was kind of thrown into it really. It wasn't, it wasn't a plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, it's one or the other either. Yeah. So, yeah. but and that's how I found you actually. Um, Crystal, Crystal, the Oracle. Okay, love Crystal the Oracle. Yes. Yeah, she recommended she recommended you and I love her. So I was like, if she has Crystal's blessing, this person is obviously amazing. Um, but that's interesting. Did you have uh, any part of you, even though you had these thousand messages, was there any part of you that was like, should I like, I feel like there's always some sort of internal conflict where you're like, is, is, but, or were you just like, fuck it? <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, there, there's always, no, there's always the internal conflict. Um, but one thing that I will say is like, even when you have that internal conflict, that's like, you know, you kind of go like, who, why the hell do these people want to talk to me? You know, like what, why are they wanting to talk to me? You know? Um, but then when you see how they're, their response was, you know, I realized that whatever it was that I was saying, um, whatever it was that they were experiencing through me felt like it was beyond me. And it felt like it was really making a difference in these people's lives. And when you start to see multiple people saying, hey, I talked to you and then this improved and this got better, then you kind of feel like, okay, this is beyond me. This is something that feels, you know, whether you want to use the word divine or, you know, whatever the word was, but it definitely started feeling like it, it felt very purposed at that point. Yeah. And that kind of quieted down the, the naysayers inside of your own head that say, why the hell does anybody want to talk to this girl with a graphic design degree about what's going on in their, <laughs> in their spiritual and personal <laughs> life? Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> I love that. Um, so I didn't know your background was in graphic design. Do you still do any graphic design or that's just your, now it's a hobby, the art? It's a, it's more of a hobby art thing. I, I mean, I still have people who will reach out to me. I have like one or two that are just probably, I'll probably be helping them forever with their stuff because I just love to do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been doing this uh, counseling full-time for almost seven years going into my seven. Wow. Year. That's see, that's really interesting. Um, did you do your, did you do your logo, the Afro Buddha logo? Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. It's a really good logo. <laughs> great, great job with that graphic design. Um, that's really interesting because now it's quite popular now. Like, you know, I would say certainly in the last five years, it's become like yeah. very popular and you were, but you felt this call before it was popular. Yeah. When, when I first started doing this, it was not popular. It was not heard of. Um, it, you know, I got a lot of weird looks and comments and people were not okay with it. Um, especially people from people that I knew from the church or people that I knew from back home. You know, I got a lot of conflicts from people who are like, this is not right. You shouldn't be doing this. Or, you know, um, when I first pulled tarot cards out on a, on a Facebook live video, it was like not a thing. <laughs> like it was yeah. not at all yeah. whereas now it's pretty common you can go to YouTube and pull up a video or you know they're everywhere now but you know at, at the time it was new and really unheard of how do you when you do a session um do you do you just like tap in is there something that you have to do to tune out when you're done or is spirit always talking to you because I saw that you on uh, I was watching a few of your Facebook lives and one of them you was talking about dating and I was like yeah. are you like on a date with some guy and spirits talking to you like I said stop eating bacon <laughs> and you're gonna be like <laughs> or are you able to shut it down yeah yeah you know and I think that that's that comes with like doing it for so long is in the beginning the first several first few years everything is really intentional like you know having your meditation and your candles and asking the energy to come and asking the energy to leave. But I think over time it becomes kind of autonomous um, where it's not as much of a, I know naturally kind of what to do to kind of shift energy. So it doesn't, it's not as an intentional thing as it used to be. If that makes sense. Over time, it's just kind of, it, it kind of, I guess it's built in, you know, I, I kind of know, it's it, it's not so much of a before it was like you had to do like a whole thing right or I had to do like a whole thing like to learn how to manage the energy and how to cleanse the energy but now it's you know I've been doing it for so long and I've had, had so many one-on-ones with people at this point that it just comes naturally to me I guess and where did you pick this up just through experience or do you have do you have a spiritual teacher or spirit just directly? yeah I mean I think I think every every counselor, every coach, every guide should definitely have counselors, coaches, and guides. I mean, I've definitely had um, those along the way, mentors. And then I did go back, you know, not saying go back, but I did go go ahead and do different trainings as well to just learn and make sure. Once I realized that this was a thing and this was happening, I wanted to make sure that I was educated and having the training side of it too, to get whatever certifications and things that I needed um, to better assist, assist people. So yeah, I'm really big on everyone should be learning from someone at all times. Yeah, it helps for sure. Um, I was watching one of your Facebook lives and you were saying something that I really liked, which was um, 
like to be okay with um, con- like changing that yeah. like some people get, can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I, I just thought the message is so great. And I do think that so much conflict arises from the people who resist being like, Oh, I made a mistake and I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the big thing is change is inevitable. It's a part of our life. It's a part of, it's a part of this um, spirit human experience. And you, you, anytime you're resisting change, it's just fear at the end of the day. You know, I think we come up with a lot of fancy words of why we're not changing, why we're not making changes. But at, at the end of all of it, it's your, you are afraid. You know, that's, that's the whole thing. Um, because the changes are happening, whether you like it or not, but if you can embrace the change and you can address the fear head on, then it makes those changes, uh, it makes them a lot more pleasurable instead of feeling forced into change all of the time. Yeah, I like that. Um, and I, I mean, I definitely have a hard time with change. Like my son, we, he has, he has long hair and we just got his hair cut and it's short and I'm already like, my baby, because he looks so much older. Because <laughs> then that's a fear, right? And then the fear yeah, is yeah. something about that haircut triggered something in you that made you realize, holy crap, my kid is growing up. And then you have all of the feelings that come with accepting that he is maturing and he's getting older and these different parts of things. So you know, every change from as small as a haircut to as big as, you know, moving across to a different country, it's just, it's just an opportunity for you to identify what your fears actually are. Totally. And I'm already picturing like his wife that I won't approve of. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's like a typical, what, what everybody does is they, not only do we have fears, but then we also project from those fears like these worst case scenarios of what could possibly happen. And we're really good at going down like the rabbit hole of like, my son is getting older. He's going to get married. He's going to marry a girl. She's going to take him away from me. She's going to be a horrible person. And then I'm going to be the the evil mother-in-law, right? Like we're really good at snowballing into this weird rabbit hole of all of the things we don't want to happen. And all he did was get a haircut. (laughs) And all he did was get a haircut. But that's a perfect example of what I do with my clients because everybody has that, oh, it's just a haircut, but then there's like a thousand thoughts attached to it, right? Whereas you, you know, us learning how to be more deliberate creators is, hey, what would be the other side of that? Is there another side of that? He's getting older, he's maturing, He's going to be grown and out of the house soon. And he's going to have his own fulfilling life and a wonderful wife. And it'll be like, I'm gaining a daughter and I'll have all of these positive experiences. We don't really train ourselves how to snowball for good. We don't really know best case scenario. Yeah. That's actually something I'm trying to work on. We're like, um, and I do think like humans kind of resist joy in a way too. We're like, if my husband does something nice for me, I'll feel like, oh, you have to do two nice things for him. Or I'm like, no, let, let somebody do something for you. And it made me think of that when you're talking about snowballing in an upward way, in a more positive way. It's also like, and taking in like when good things happen. And I love your point too, because I, have like a few things that I'm working on. And I feel like the leap from what I have and what I'm afraid of is just like this abyss of imagination. Like it's not a, a, it's not like I'm afraid of 
cats because a cat attacked me when I was young. It's like, I'm afraid of being seen for whatever reason that I can't even come up with. But like you made such a good point about how it's just like complicated in a way that we can't really articulate because that's what makes the fear there is like, we can't articulate it. Yeah. Which is, it's interesting, right? Because it's, it's, you know, when I say, Oh, I'm a spiritual counselor, I'm a spiritual guide that people can wrap their heads around that. But really at the end of the day, I'm teaching people how to use their imagination. But when you say, hey, I teach imagination, people are like, what the heck? I don't know what that means. Because we've, we've taken the word imagination and we've kind of boxed it into this. We've cornered it into this place where it's like it's for kids, right? Imagination is for kids. But imagination is everything we just talked about. You snowballing into this place about your son getting a haircut. That is all your imagination, right? <laughs> yes, they have a wild imagination. So it's not... <laughs> Yeah, most of us do like I'll ask people like one of the things I love to ask people is like, do you consider yourself to be a creative person? And when I ask people that they tend to say, well, you know, I can't paint. I can't draw. I can't dance. I'm not a creative person. Well, imagination is the tool of creation. Right. So everybody is a creative person. And a lot of the times our biggest issue in life in life is we're really good at creating worst case scenarios. That's where our creative energy goes. It goes into, you know, all of the worst possible things that could occur. Whereas with with the counseling, you can kind of coach people into training themselves and practicing how to think in best case scenario. I love that. And also being like a Jewish girl from New York City, I feel like our art is to cultivate how how how, how badly we can make our imagination like <laughs> right, worst case right. scenario. Yeah. So yeah, that's really interesting. That's really enlightening. And actually I was talking to someone recently who does like dream work and she was saying exactly what you're saying, that like dreams, imagination, this is all this is all this is everything. The intuition yeah. that the 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 all is the imagination and yeah, the intuition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. When you when you're working with someone and you're you're working them through, like, is there an energetic charge within the conversation or is it spirit talking to you when you have a session with someone? How, how do you work? Like, like, are there blocks in the body that you, you address through a a spiritual counseling? Like how, when they leave you, are they transformed aside from obviously the verbal connection? Yeah. So, I I mean, the verbal connection, but I think everything. So, so here's the thing about intuition. I feel like when you are really confident in your own intuitive gifts, it comes out just easily naturally. And I think every, every gift that you're confident in and you feel, you know, feel strongly about is, is ultimately intuition, right? LeBron James gets on the basketball court and his intuition tells him when to pass the ball, when to shoot, where to stand, what to do. It's a flow, you know, you, Simone Biles gets in her gymnastic flow and she knows what turn, one flip. That's intuition. All of that is intuition. So for me and for other, you know, there's so many amazing spiritual counselors, spiritual guides, readers, you know, in this whole alternative spirituality space that when you are in that flow with your clients, um, with people that are coming to you, it's, it is intuition that is guiding you on what to say. It's guiding you on, um, you know, what, where the blockers are. 
but I'm, you know, I am really good at being able to pick up on, you know, I'm, I'm big on the chakra points. I could pick up the energy centers where those blockages are. Um, and a lot of the times that'll kind of guide into where the, the, the conversation needs to go. Um, because if there, if there's something like in the throat chakra, if there's a, um, a blockage there of any sort, it, it has to deal with being, not being able to express yourself or having practiced the energy of not expressing yourself, right? So we're, we're pattern people, we're, cyc- we're cyclical cycle people. Um, so it's really kind of the intuition helps me to kind of pick up on the patterns and the cycles and then give some extra attention in those specific areas. That's so cool. And I, it's, it is so interesting because I feel like, like there's so much going on in this, like being yeah. in the being yeah. and you know, like, it's so interesting too. Like when you talk to somebody and they have a fear, exactly what you were saying before, but it's just like coming to me again. Like when someone has a fear, me with a different fear and I look at somebody with a different fear, I'm like, why are you afraid of that? That's just so ridiculous because it is all just some story that we made up. Absolutely. And that's interesting also that you can work. And I liked the cycles and patterns because I think that really that is like at the end of the day, what we're trying to um, reconfigure is, is whatever cycle or pattern we've gotten into. Do you find that there are trends like people coming to you for, similar things within similar periods or it's just kind of all always all over the place no energy absolutely moves in waves (laughs) it moves in waves and and that's one of those things that I'm like absolutely fascinated by um because you know let's say what's today's Tuesday right let's say it's Tuesday and I just had four sessions with clients and all four of these sessions are all about the same thing in general. And then I'm like, oh, so we've got this wave coming in. And then for the rest of that rest of that week, it's like every single person will be talking about the same thing or working through the same things. And then the next week, a new wave will come. And then all of those people will be talking about. It's so fascinating to me how I'm talking to all these different people, different age groups, different walks of life. I've had clients from the age of nine and 10 up to 75 um, and all different countries from the United States to Australia and back around again. But yet those waves don't seem to, that, that doesn't seem to matter with the waves. <laughs> like when the energy is moving through a certain subject matter or topic, everyone seems to feel, feel it for whatever reason in their own way. Yeah. And I feel like that's a really excellent example to give when we're like, we really are all connected. If there's like something that we're all, we think we're experiencing things separately, but we're actually experiencing them together. Yeah. Yeah. The the, The root, the core thing that's happening is the same, you know, even if you're experiencing it in a different way and it is, like I said, it floors me. Um, even as long as I've been doing this, I'm still kind of tickled by and fascinated that we are really all the same. Yeah, I feel like you understand it, but then you like understand it again in a different way at a different level. Um, so what's popping up for people now? Like, or, or actually like what surfaced mostly during the pandemic do you feel like? Oh man, so I have a lot of strong opinions <laughs> about the energy of the okay. pandemic. Um, 
I really, I really, I've been calling COVID-19 the, the, the set, set your ass down disease is what I've been calling it. And I say that in a loving way. I mean, I, I don't mean to be insensitive because obviously a lot of people, I've lost loved ones from COVID. Um, but for a lot of us, it's been, uh, it's forcing you to sit down. It's forcing you to rest more than you usually would. It's, for, it's forcing you to uh, take into consideration other ways of being, other ways of existing. You know, a lot of people are working remotely who have never worked remotely. A lot of people are spending more time with their children by way of virtual, you know, school. So a lot of things have shifted um, rather abruptly, but I feel like a lot of these changes that have been made through the pandemic are here to stay. You know, not saying the mask or the or even the, you know, COVID itself is here to stay. But once you learn that, you know, there's a different way to do things, I think it's changing people. I really do. I like that. And I hope it does, because I do feel like especially like being a parent in a city, I just felt like these kids and these families just had these, you know, charts with a hundred things and the kids are in all these activities and the parents are in all these activities. And yeah, I, I think that like in a lot of ways, these kids have been really happy to be stuck at home with their parents and just relax. Like kind of, I mean, I grew up in the eighties and I feel like the eighties is my ideal parenting type or like we kind we did stuff, but like also we drank soda at seven unsupervised yeah. in the yeah. playground. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, kind of getting back to the core of, of, different family dynamics. I'm seeing a lot less burnout. Um, prior to COVID, there was, you know, a lot of a lot of people coming that were just burnt out. And I think in some ways, the COVID situation has relieved burnout for a lot of people. Um, now, does it create other issues? Sure. But the burnout one seems to be alleviating. Um, I'm really anti-hustle culture. I'm, I'm anti uh, this whole, you know, go, 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 sleep when you're dead, that whole culture. And I feel like COVID is kind of has been helping push that hustle culture out of being the norm. I'm seeing I don't think I don't think we've had this many conversations about self-care ever. It seems like since COVID hit, we've been having way more conversations about how to care for yourself. Absolutely. And like, not even just like how to care for myself, but like really, really care, like, like rest, like, just yeah. Like, yeah, like you're absolutely right. And, or people are just being like, I'm so overwhelmed and overstimulated that right. I'm just gonna lay down. I mean, it, it, it's really interesting. I think it's really cool. And, or like, literally you couldn't travel, you, you couldn't go anywhere. And so like, what do you do with this new level of boredom? Yeah. Yeah. People are are kind of been forced to spend time with themselves, you know, um, as someone who's also I've been teaching meditation this entire time, too. You know, I'm, I feel like there's almost forced minutes, almost forced meditation is happening. You know, you're having to spend oh, yeah. more time just kind of alone in your thoughts. You know, a lot of people who have gone through the quarantines and being disconnected from family and friends. Yeah, you're having to spend more time with yourself, which at the end of the day is a good thing. You should you should learn how to spend more time with yourself. Yeah. That's what happened to me. We moved from New York city to like nine acres in Virginia. And I was like, Oh my God, I can hear all my own thoughts. And it was yeah. awful. And I had like several mental breakdowns for two years. And now I feel like I'm finally okay with not like, wow. wow. Standing in the street, just, I was, it's just a hero horn honk. And I'm just like, 
Yeah, because I mean, I think that I think the constant overstimulation, um, it drowns out our own voice. It makes it where we really don't, we're not really comfortable with the voices in our own heads. We don't, or, you know, from teaching meditation, a lot of people will come to me and say, well, I can't meditate. I can't get the voices to turn off or it's, I'm still thinking about work. I'm still thinking about, you know, the, the appointments and soccer and all the stuff that I have to do with the kids. I'm still thinking about all of these goals that I've set that I haven't, like people are not really good at just listening to themselves. We've got the voices of all of these overstimulations inside of our own mind. So I feel like, yeah, being quarantined, moving to a space where there's not a lot of noise. It's really like a big, a big push into mindfulness is what's happened through COVID. So that's the, the kind of like the hidden blessing behind the pandemic, I think. Yeah. I, and so what, what advice, I mean, I know that it's, more complicated than just a little bit of advice, but, but when, when those initial people come to you and and they say like, so for somebody who's listening and they're like, I've tried meditating, but it's so hard. I can't do it. What is that little bit of advice that you give them to encourage them to, to try it? First and foremost, uh, meditation doesn't look one way. That's the first thing I like to tell people. Uh, the second thing I like to tell them is you're trying it is you're doing it. If you're trying it, you're doing it. Because a lot of people say, well, I'm trying meditation and it's not working. Well, if you're taking the time to set 15 minutes on a clock and just sit with yourself, even if you can't get the voices to quiet, you are you are doing it. Yeah, it, It's like any other skill set that it has to be practiced. And a lot of the times people will get it. You know, I did it for a whole week. I did it for a whole, you know, month or, or whatever. But okay. But you're practicing, you know, like you, you have to practice it. Um, and also our mind is supposed to think like you don't you're, this whole concept of I'm going to shut down my mind and I'm not going to think and I'm not going to have thoughts is really not the goal. <laughs> That's not the goal. Hmm. The goal is to gradually become more aware of what's going on in your head. Not even not quieting it down, not shutting it off, becoming more aware of the actual thoughts that are being thought in your head. And so you can't do it wrong. If you sit down for 15 minutes and you focus on your breathing, even if you just thought about work or you thought about that TV show, or you thought about whatever, you're still it's still you're still doing it. It was still a successful meditation. I like that. I've never heard that before, that the act of doing it is the process. And I think that like when he said that, I felt the relief and I feel like that could be such a relief for people who have this expectation of what it's supposed to look like. I'm supposed to sit and I'm supposed to do this for two minutes. But you saying like you just trying is the act of meditation, I think, like takes all this pressure off. Yeah, just 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 the fact that you did it. You you may not be able to see immediately what that, you know, what the results, the quote unquote result of that is, but just you doing it changed something within yourself. Just the fact that you did that was enough. I like that message because I do think that there's a lot of expectation put around some of the things people want to do that makes mm-hmm. it difficult to do them. But taking the pressure off, I think makes the connection from not doing to doing a lot closer. Right. Um, to people who are curious about the work that you do, but, um, you know, maybe ha- they haven't talked to a, a spiritual guide yet. 
Mm-hmm. You know, how do you, I, I know like when they need to find you, they will find you or, or they'll get a re, your referral, but when to, to, to the person who's, who is curious, but sort of maybe like looking for that um, reason to, to come in, what, what do you say to people um, either to encourage them to seek the, the counseling? Um, what advice do you give to somebody who's skeptical, but curious and wants to take that next, next step, but isn't really sure what next step to take? Yeah, I think my first advice is don't let, don't let the words scare you. Because sometimes when you hear intuitive or you hear, you know, reader or these kind of words, even though I think culturally we're coming, we're stepping away from, we're taking a really big step away from organized religion. Um, And I think that sometimes we've been kind of taught through organized religion to stay away from certain words. Um, I would say, first and foremost, don't let that scare you. The second thing I would say is, Um, I talk to people from all kinds of religious backgrounds, you know, just because I'm not connected to an organized religion doesn't, I mean, I still have, I have pastors of churches that are, have been my clients for years. Um, People coming from all different walks of of life, actual practicing Buddhist, um, Islamic faith. I have people from all sorts of, so it doesn't necessarily have to go up against your organized religion. Um, The other thing that I like to say is I feel like, this emergence of spiritual guides that's happened over the past few years is the expansion of therapy. I really do think it's just alternative forms of therapy. And I think that therapy is for everybody. Um, I think that it's healthy. It's a, it's a self-care thing to have someone that is disconnected from your day-to-day life, an unbiased person, um, that you can feel free to just talk freely with about any and everything. There is something really healing in just talking through things. Um, so first and foremost, for and I would say, if you don't come to me, go to someone. I really feel like everyone should have someone that they're talking to. But trust your own intuition when you're choosing who to go with. Think about who you could, you know, who you feel comfortable with. Um, and just try it and just see how it makes you feel. Maybe it's not for you, but if odds are, if you're feeling some sort of pull towards it, it probably is for you. Yeah. I, 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 that's how I felt in the beginning where I, there was a pull, but I'm actually fine, like doing something and then thinking about it after I've taken the leap. So I'm not very good with that advice because for me, I'm like, ah, whatever, I'll try it. And like, if, yeah. It wasn't good, it, then, you know, whatever. But I know yeah. that there are people who are a lot more methodical in their right. decision-making that right. I do want to encourage because I think there's so much value in this. And I think you make a good point, like, you know, just feel it out and, and follow it through. Um, is is there um, something, I mean, I know it changes so much, but right now, is there like a collective thing you're working on um, educating people on or like a message that you're channeling for the year of 2021 or just like the time right now of, of a message that that you're really honing in on? Yeah, I think my, my message for 2021 is what I've been calling big shift energy. Um, it, it is a little bit different than kind of what I've been teaching before, whereas before I used to talk a lot about like micro manifestations, like making like these small changes in your life, small habits, identifying small areas where you can change. And what I've noticed uh, through the pandemic and part of what's come with the pandemic, I think 
sometimes you kind of need a kickstart. And I think the pandemic has been a kickstart for big changes for a lot of people, you know, um, a lot of people who, you know, you've been in the same job for 20 years and you've been wanting to leave that job for 20 years <laughs> and then you get furloughed because of the pandemic. That's a big shift change. And kind of what I've been seeing as the with my clients is once you're in that energy of making kind of like drastic big changes, run with it. Like you've got it. Go ahead and go. You know, um, you and I always kind of say like, you know, sometimes we have these big changes we want to make. And in the back of our head, it seems so drastic. It seems so big that you can't fathom making a leap that big. But a lot of us through the pandemic have been forced into leaps. And I'm like, well, did you die? You're still here. You're still breathing, (laughs) you know? So let's try another one. Maybe you, maybe you can do one on your own this time and see what that feels like. Cause I think there's a lot of people who, don't need to make small changes. They need to make a big change, you know, and we don't talk about that a lot, like leaving the marriage, uh, leaving a job, leaving, you know, your city, disconnecting from family members, disconnecting from friends who have always been a part of your life. Like those are really big changes Um, or allowing yourself to be in love and to be in relationships. These are all really big life changes. So I think that the the commonality has been the big shift energy. I'm seeing a lot of people who are coming to me and they are ready to do something kind of drastic, which I strongly encourage. (laughs) I like that. But it it kind of brought me back to what we were saying in the beginning, too, where um, like even the big changes was a big change in your head, but that really the connection could have yeah. is there. And is the same thing with the fear. I mean, I guess like this, not making that big change is a fear thing, but that really, if you go with the momentum where you just push forward that yeah. it, it just, it was like a similar burden. Yeah. Yeah. I do think that we've got some collective momentum. I guess that's a good way to put it. Collective momentum is happening right now to make the bigger changes. Okay, I'm going to, all right, so maybe I need to jump on this bandwagon. <laughs> well, you moved, so that's a pretty big. I, uh, yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah. Um, so how can people work with you if, if somebody wants, what does it look like? I know you offer a few different kinds of sessions. Can you just talk me through some of your offerings? Right. So right now, um, I'm, I'm not doing as many, I call them one-offs where it's just like, I want to book one session. I'm doing, I'm still doing those, but I'm doing less of those. Most of my clients now are shipping into what I call my VIP. Um, and VIP is just, you're, um, you're making a commitment to do at least four sessions with me. And most of my clients do those one a week. Right. Um, whereas, okay, let's say you come with me and you just say, I just want one, one hour session with you. That's cool. That's great. And then, but then if you skip, you know, and you six months later, you want to have another one. I, what I found over the years is it's going to be a repeat from the first time we talked. <laughs> You're still going to be in the same space. You're still going to be working through the same fears. So what I'm finding over time is that those people who are committing to working with me once a week or once every other week, they're having a lot more progress in their personal lives mm-hmm. because it's the consistency of it, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause you could have a session and you feel good, but then a month yeah. later, you're like, wait, what was the message again? Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, I mean, because we are habitual people, we are habit forming exactly. people. 
if you put these big gaps of spaces in between working through things, you almost have to restart every time. Whereas if you commit and you do it every week, then I'm going to hold you accountable from what we talked about the week before. (laughs) And a lot of us do need levels of accountability. Absolutely. I mean, I do because I have like, and I was thinking about this recently too, because um, so I was big into spirituality and and finding all these healers and doing all this work, but I feel like I just kind of like stayed in this same rotation, but in a different way. And like, I just kind of kept coming back to these same um, habits that I was trying to break. And I, so I think like, you're right. I think it just sort of, I was digging a lot of different wells where I should have just, just struck at one consistently. And I, and I, one thing I will say about me, you know, one thing about me specifically is I am a neuroscience geek. I geek out over neuroscience. I geek out over um, the way the brain works and the study of how the brain works. Um, I love a lot of these like really big, uh, like Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, Greg, uh, Greg Braden and uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Like I love the work around the actual changes of the mind and what that looks like from a science perspective. Um, and so I kind of pair the science with the spirituality part and the science of it is consistency is everything. <laughs> a new pattern has to form oh, right, a right. new, a neural pathway. Um, all of those things are, you know, the science of how we change. We have to merge that in with the spirituality because I think you don't want to be too far on the right or too far on the left. I think ultimately the key to like a really balanced life is to have a balanced understanding of science and spirituality. So there is a science to the idea of having sessions on a regular basis um, will actually get you to the changes that you want to make versus one-offs here or there. It doesn't give a, a, an opportunity for a new neural pathway to form in the brain to create the new habits that you want to make. That makes total sense because it took so long to formulate it that it would take like three times as long to Absolutely. unlearn that pattern. Yeah. Okay. It, all comes down, it all comes down to practicing new behaviors. That's what it comes down to. And the behaviors, um, you know, you know, well, if you, if you go and you, you know, you're addicted to cigarettes and you go and you start working through that, they're going to, they're going to have you pay attention to like you, you just stay away from cigarettes, right? You, how many days can you collect where you say I'm, I'm cigarette free, I'm alcohol free because that those, those days of being disconnected from that substance is what ultimately gets your brain to disconnect from needing it, which puts you into a place where you're no longer a person who smokes cigarettes or you're no longer a person who needs alcohol. Well, all habits are the same, Right. You could have a very toxic, you know, you could have a toxic family member that you are used to texting and having phone conversations with every day. It's not any different. You would have to create a new pattern of not talking to this person, you know, or, or not talking to them about specific topics. And now a new pattern needs to form of, you know, to until your brain gets the idea that this person is no longer a part of our everyday conversations and then disconnecting. So all habits are the same essentially when it comes to how our brain responds. Yeah. And what, what was popping up for me now when you were talking also was again, that like that fear, that big leap, that habit, it's all uh, comfort. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, like, it, like even being with the toxic person, even though it doesn't feel good and it makes you feel bad, it's yeah. a known and there's a comfort level there. Yeah, yeah. So the, the idea of connecting with a healer or a guide is not just creating a new habit, a new pattern of thinking, but also connecting to where is it within you that is comfortable with this, with, with this you know, you, it's right, a right, right. space, but even with the comfort, you have to go and then dissect that and find out where that came from. You know, what is it about this relationship with this person who's verbally abusive? What does this verbally abusive, what, what makes you feel comfortable with that? And then we dig in there, we go, oh, well, you know, your dad was verbally abusive when you were five. So somehow you're kind of connecting back to your dad through this toxic relationship. Once you identify the root of where it came from, then you could fix it. Then you could heal it. Then you could work past it. But most of us, we're just going through our, our everyday lives and we're not considering the, the smaller pieces that are coming into play as to why we're in whatever situation we're in that are in our lives that we don't want to be in. Right. And we're not treating from the wounds. We're treating we're not, from like the scar or whatever. Yeah. I, okay. That's yeah. I, I, that makes a lot of sense. And I make, and I'm applying it to myself because that's what I know. And as you're speaking, like I'm, it's putting together a few things that I've been frustrated with within Good. what I've been trying to work through. And so that really, really resonates. That's, I like that a lot. That's awesome. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, and then my last question is, do you have any messages that you want to share with me or with the people listening? Oh man, so many messages. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll start with this. My favorite mantra that I literally say to myself every single day is my being comes before my doing. My being comes before my doing. And I think that it is there's two sides to that mantra that resonate really deeply um, that I want to just, anybody who's listening to this, I want you to consider. Um, When I first started saying the mantra, my being comes before my doing, it came from me being in the quote unquote hustle culture, right? Where you got to be the perfect mom. You got to be the perfect business owner. You got to be the perfect, you know, whatever you're doing, like you got to be the perfect this and this and this and that. And you got to do the things and having the checklist and reading all the self-help books and going to all the seminars and doing all the stuff. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And those are all doings. These are things that you need to do to quote unquote, make yourself better. And so when I would say the mantra in the beginning, my being comes before my doing it was like permission for me to rest. <laughs> I could just be, I could just breathe, you know, like I, these, these uh, t- things on my to-do list do not define me as a human being. And that's, that's where it started. So over time, that mantra has shifted. It still means that, but what it also means now is my being comes before my doing. So when you're thinking about what you choose to have, do, or become, And it's so simple in theory, but when it clicked for me, it just clicked. You have to be that, right? Like if you're saying, I want to become a successful author, then you have to wake up that morning being that. Not just doing the things that you're supposed to do, but being the successful author. If you can project off into the future and you can see a version of yourself that has whatever you define as success, 
You have to wake up tomorrow morning and be that person. And you getting in the habit of being that person is greater than you doing the things you think you're supposed to do to be that person. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Yeah, it it really is. um, Yeah. It's like it's, simple and simple and complex all at the same time. Yeah, because like you, what, you, you know, what, what's what's happening with me is like you're saying it and it's resonating and resonating and and it's appealing. But then when I think about putting it in place, there's yeah. a, a conflict. But I guess that's what you occurred with you also. Where you're like it just you the repetition of you doing it all the time, and then at one point it does click. Yeah. Yeah, but the conflict is good. And that's that's what I want people to hear too. Like if you're having a conflict, that means some new information has been, <laughs> is registering. That's what conflict is. And something inside of your head is going, wait, no, wait, what? Wait, no, huh? Like the conflict is good. That means that there's something new carving out inside of your thought process. And our, our brain is set up in such a way that it's taught to resist. It's taught to resist. So if there's something that you're resisting, you should follow that path <laughs> as far as you could possibly can, because that means that there's something there to take away. Okay. But that's so, that's so like fucking ballsy. Like if, if I'm feeling resistance, I'm going right to my couch and my weighted blanket. <laughs> yeah, it is ballsy. It's absolutely ballsy, but it's, again, it's a practiced thing. You know, you're going to your weighted blanket because that's what you've practiced. You haven't practiced walking towards the fear. Oh God, no, no, no. I choose, <laughs> I choose comfort. I like, yeah. I'd like option B. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, use, I'll use this example, right? If you are sitting in your house alone and all of a sudden you hear uh, a noise in your closet, <laughs> right? You're home by yourself and there's something, some noise coming from the closet, right? You have two options. You can, you can ignore it. You can go and you can sit on the couch under your weighted blanket and you can just pretend that you didn't hear it. And that never works. You will sit there in paranoia for the rest of that night because you heard a a noise. Whereas if you would just get up and go open the closet and you'll see, oh, it's just, you know, a tennis ball that rolled down from, you know, somewhere. If you can go and identify the, the, the fear then you have actual peace. Ignoring it and sitting on the couch and, and hiding under your weighted blanket is not going to bring you actual peace. So the, the idea of walking towards the fear is how you free yourself from your own mind. Because if you don't go and look at what's in the closet, you're going to come up with so many, <laughs> so many worst case scenarios. Oh God, we've got rats, you know, you got all these different things. You know, there's a, a, a Texas chainsaw massacre is in the That's in where the- my brain went first. <laughs> so the the uh, allow yourself to be comfortable in fear doesn't actually bring you peace. It just brings you a lot of worry, anxiety, and it's a total misuse of the imagination. Whereas if you just get your ass up and go look in the closet. You can figure out what, maybe it is a mouse, but at least you can go ahead and start the, the you know, I need to call an exterminator or whatever. You can go down the path of to, to how to actually fix it. Whereas sitting on the couch isn't actually going to give you any resolution at all. I like that. That's a great analogy. Um, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll have to work with that one. Um, you <laughs> it's have, yeah, it's a process. Um, I have really learned a lot from this conversation. So thank you so much. Um, to people who are listening, where can they find you? And we'll include all these, this information, the show notes as well. I am at the Afro Buddha everywhere. The Facebook, Instagram, the Snapchat, TikTok, at the Afro Buddha on whatever your social media is shoot me a message and yeah i'd love to talk to you i love to work with you i'm stephanie wood and you've been listening to the geode your guide to modern wellness and woo the podcast you can follow us on instagram and if you haven't yet please go to apple Podcasts and subscribe rate and review us you can join me next week for another fun conversation until then i love you